0: Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, our guest is Alex Levine, who owns and operates a virtual personal training business, Alex Levine Fitness which specializes in one-on-one personal training for those with ankylosing spondylitis, axial spondylitis around the world. He is a certified personal trainer, fitness nutrition specialist, and senior fitness specialist through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. He also holds a master's degree in sports leadership from Northeastern University. And today we are going to talk about physical fitness, and how to keep yourself going, right? So Alex, thank you for joining us.
1: Jill, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about you? Because I know you have a, a diagnosis and uh, we're very curious how how your journey was
1: and how it affected your initial like perception around fitness. Absolutely, yeah. So diagnosis was, diagnosis was actually almost a decade ago now. Uh, 25 years old, I'm almost 35. So I've been going through, I've been thinking about it more recently because a decade, you know, I can't believe that much time has passed first of all, but you know, my journey kind of started early twenties, like many others, just kind of started having sciatica started having the thoracic spine tightness, the neck tightness and, you know, looking for answers, looking for answers, honestly, for a couple of years. So diagnosed officially at 25. So for about five years, I'm trying to figure out why do I keep getting sciatica? Uh, I was an athlete, very active working in health and fitness since my early 20s. So why am I keep getting sciatica? Sciatica usually comes, I wouldn't think at that age, um, that often, every few months I would get it. Also the tightness just didn't seem like tightness someone would get in the early 20s. So, you know, that's when it all started just searching for answers. Um, going to physical therapy off and on for, the sciatica the tightness and really couldn't figure it out and of course during that time it makes things you know the anxiety's ramped up you're really feeling confused about why you can't get an answer you're feeling down on yourself and you really don't know how to move forward with the treatment plan because you have no clue what's going on other than i was mostly told sports injuries um and then i had to maybe back off of exercise so years of uncertainty wow. and You know, it wasn't until I actually injured my hip playing soccer in a kind of adult uh, soccer league when I was 25, injured my hip, got an X-ray and that X-ray showed SI joint inflammation. Um, So it was kind of out of nowhere when I was officially diagnosed, but I was searching for a long time. So 25 is when the hip injury led to the X-ray and then it was really right away I was told, we have to look into some things here. You got a lot of inflammation in SI joints and then that kind of went down the rabbit hole of the diagnosis officially
0: yeah how interesting yeah uh, and when you were diagnosed i uh, what was the so you were already a fitness trainer yes
1: i was already work. i my career started in these sports i was already in health and fitness i'd been a trainer um for a couple of years yeah already
0: And. When you were told you had to back off, or that it might get worse as time goes on, uh, I've seen some of your your videos on YouTube <laughs> um, where you talk about that you were told it may have been worse, it may get worse as it goes on, and yeah. the way you've you've sort of hit that head on. Um, but when it was the immediate aftermath of the diagnosis, like physically and and emotionally, how did that go?
1: Yeah, I definitely struggled. I, uh, you know, the first thing you do is go on Google. You're googling. I'd never Definitely heard of Inclus. Right. Yeah, Google, which stay off Google. Um, yes. <laughs> stay off Google, please. And I think that's a large part of this This disease is the worry, the fear about the future. You know, a lot of it is we're told we have to do everything we can health-wise, but a lot of us don't know what that means, where to start. And that's kind of where I was at. I I was like, well, I work out a lot, but noth- it didn't seem to be working for me. It was causing more pain the sciatica wouldn't go away. So, but the initial thoughts were fear. I, I couldn't believe I had this. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I do think doctors are trying their best. I really think so. Everyone was trying their best with me, but in and spondylitis wasn't on anyone's radar. So how would they, you know, I think it's hard to diagnose this for this reason. And a lot of others see the problems with just getting this diagnosed and it takes people years of the struggle of trying to figure it out. So, initially was fear and then aside from that was confusion about where do I go from here I'm being told it's going to get much worse Um, I'm being told to back off of exercise but then others are telling me you might be in the best profession for this if you do it the right way if you're moving daily if you're active so I was getting both ends of the spectrum and I was very confused to be honest
0: I think you I think your sentiment there is shared by a lot of people after (laughs) diagnosis uh so, as you had the diagnosis, you continued to work out, i uh, what inspired you to shifting to just working with with people with spa?
1: Yeah, so you know, I went through a period of struggle. Um, I actually a couple things were going on at the same time. I had a shoulder injury that I had to get surgery for, and that was kind of before the diagnosis. so after I was diagnosed, I was actually recovering from my shoulder injury, which I had a lot of problems with probably because of ankylosing spondylitis, um, and just the overall joint pain. So I was recovering from shoulder surgery. I was dealing with sciatica. So I was in a pretty tough place. And I honestly was just trying to figure out what to do, where, what type of exercises to do. Um, and this for about a year, I really wasn't having a hard time exercising correctly. And, um, it was a struggle. So after kind of a year, I decided clearly I have to do things differently. I need to forget about what I learned in fitness. Like that nothing was working. Um, I have to forget that after forget about working out means you do an hour, you do maybe a certain amount of exercises for 10 repetitions and that's it. That's what exercise is. I had to forget about that. I had to say, what movements just feel good for me? You know, what movements feel good? What can I just do to get energy out? Forget, yeah. you know, at the time it was kind of like forgetting close closing spondylitis. How can I just get healthy and get off the couch, get out of bed and uh, stop worrying about the future? How can I just find any way to get going? So that's kind of how my approach started of, you know, doing bizarre stretches at home, using resistance bands, um, like using really light weights because I was sick of causing more pain so that's kind of how my approach started but it wasn't after a period of some real struggle and questioning can I be in fitness um can I even be in this career does this make sense for me
0: right and uh would you be open to walking us through some of your foundational exercises
1: yeah my foundational exercises I think I'm really the only one that does them because they're very unique to me and they're very unique to the struggle I was in and how really, you know, the condition I was in was pretty bad. So it was really like, I don't even care how these movements look. I don't care that they're not a full workout. I'm just gonna, I have to break up the, it was more about breaking up tension and kind of freeing up the tension in the body. So a lot of kind of supported stretching, using a wall, a lot of openers using a wall where, I could really focus on the most comfortable range of motion the smallest range of motion where I wasn't causing pain and again this didn't seem like an exercise honestly at the time it was just like let's just move through some things so I can feel good so I use the wall a lot if anyone you know follows me online my kind of foundation is that stretching program because I believe in the overall approach I believe strength is crucial mobility, the postural stuff. But I really think it starts with loosening up if someone's dealing with tightness, you know, some people, there are some folks that have hypermobility or they aren't as tight as others, but for the most of us, we're dealing with some pretty extreme tightness that can limit our ability to do other stuff, to play sports, to strength train. So I like to start with. All right, let's do, a, let's do a couple. You're going to have to work, walk through so people can visualize. My, we can do a couple, absolutely. So, a few that I would love to, that I love to do are using the wall, like I said, where okay. we're using the wall for support. Both hands are on the wall. Okay. So, for facing. listening,
0: we're really doing this. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're really doing this right now. Even though I have headphones connected to my computer, so I can't go to the wall, but I'm I'll gonna. Go to the wall. Jill will go to the wall. So, what I like to do: both hands are on a wall about shoulder height. So you're about shoulder width apart and your hips are going to stay forward. We're not going to rotate the hips. And all we're going to do is open up one arm. So the right arm is going to open up until you feel the chest, upper back, one, two seconds, then you'll bring it back and reset. So we're really moving through a range where you're feeling the stretch briefly. We're not kind of torquing through that low back. We're not messing with SI joints. We're really just moving through those postural muscles. And I like to go to even the most minimal stretch really really in the beginning so we can get a feel for it we can loosen up and I like to alternate here to really open up the chest and open up those postural muscles but without compromising the low back without compromising the hips so this kind of wall opener is a great one and you can really kind of move through it at your own pace and I started doing stuff like this because for some it's hard to get on the ground it's hard to stretch in certain positions so let's find any way we can get into some comfortable stretching Jill's doing it right now, as no one can see this, but (laughs) I can see it and it's looking good. But using the wall, I would do a supported downward dog also. So I used to love the downward dog on the floor, the traditional yoga downward dog, but it was too much pressure on the shoulder, on the wrist. So I started doing it using a wall, kind of the same setup as the other one, hands or shoulder height, feet about hip width, and I would just slowly sink back. So I could get my arms overhead and I could stretch out my back. And again, it's not putting as much pressure on the wrists, on the shoulders, on the hips. So I would work all these stretches like this nice and long through the spine. And I started thinking about let's lengthen the body in kind of the first step, the, the, the most comfortable way possible for me. So I, you know, the wall became kind of my tool to get going. Yeah, I would use. You know, I would work on some postural stuff which can get extremely tight. So I would get my back comfortably into a wall, low back would really be gently touching, core tight, and I would work on the alignment with the feet a couple inches away from the wall. And then I would start working on wall slides up the wall to break up tension in the back. But you so know, the wall
0: are great. I've been doing okay, so describe what I'm doing because Yes, I- Jill is doing uh- these right now.
1: Her back is comfortably into the wall, which is gonna look different for everyone. Some people it's just too tight, and they have to start off the wall a little bit. But Jill's finding a range of motion that fits her, where her elbows and her and her hands are as close to the wall as comfortable, and she's driving up the wall as her core is engaged, so as her mid and uh, lower back are into the wall. So she's breaking up a lot of tension in the back, but at her own pace.
0: So what I love about these is they're... One of the things I think a lot of people with AS find hard is we... And, I'm, of course, I'm now doing this... I'm touching just below my trap like what we all think are what we all know are our traps and i think there's this weakness and those wall uh push-ups help they help with that i don't know is it like a mid trap or a lower yeah
1: kind of right between the shoulder blades
0: right and we get weak and then we we everything folds in those they give you a lot of uh overhead mobility yeah so
1: those things to open up the back um, became kind of my first steps at just restoring a little bit of movement with breaking up tension. Um, because kind of other things weren't working for me. Uh, I saw the benefit in other things cause I would try some stuff, but everything didn't work. Some of it worked. So I started taking the sum of it and made it into my own little program. Um, like the postural stuff and the stretching. And then that gave me an idea. How can I bring this, throughout fitness and how can I use similar techniques to loosen up?
0: Yeah. And you do also, uh, some morning stretches I think that are awesome as well. Yeah. And so, I think most, yeah,
1: most of us have that morning stiffness. Yeah. And my routine kind of started in the morning. Cause that's when I struggled the most with the stiffness in the back. Just, you know, unfortunately with AS you go to sleep and you, you might feel a little better. Um, and then you wake up and it's like back to square one. So, a lot of this is we got to keep doing this. And I really try to take that into effect the consistency, the sustainability. And this is what I, for my clients, this is one of the main things I focus on. What workouts can we do weekly? It's not about just doing one workout and then you're too sore. You've, you know, what happens is a lot of people feel pain the next day. After a workout, it might feel good, but then the next day they feel pain. So, I really want to take into account how do we feel during? How do we feel after? and are we progressing properly are we going towards our goal or are we stuck somewhere are we stuck in the same place so i really started to try to pay attention to uh, how i felt the morning stuff i wanted a routine i could do most days of the week and a routine i knew helped me it wasn't ge- i wasn't guessing about different exercises i knew these movements helped me i can keep progressing them over time
0: and and that's a good point the progressing over time so especially when you've been active and then you've got all of a sudden a diagnosis. And I think you mentioned it. You want to just do what you've always done and our bodies don't decide, decide that's not going to be the case. Uh, so I know in like in yoga, they always say, it doesn't matter how far you go, you still get the same benefit and, and you get further in time. Uh, so do you start very slowly generally with clients and then move,
1: very slowly and even slower than slowly i really because i've had clients unfortunately that have gotten injured at physical therapy um and maybe the program was going well but then they were progressed too quickly so i've tried to really start slowly and it's not a knock on my clients because i i i believe that they can get strong and flexible and feel better but it's more my approach i want to make sure it feels good the whole time i don't want any kind of knocks in the road where we have to take a step back. I never want to cause an injury. Um, And unfortunately I've heard this a lot. People get injured um, at rehab, you know, doing rehab exercises. So I take it really, really slowly. And sometimes we stick to that foundation for a longer period to make sure they're feeling good. And to really just make sure the body, you were activating all these muscles before we're trying different stuff. Let's get a good base.
0: I think that's because you have to activate the big muscle groups and the small.
1: Everything. Yep.
0: As you build everything, especially, I think people who have joint pain that strengthening the small muscles is that, am I on the right path? Absolutely. There? And
1: that's one thing okay. I struggled with. It was like, I feel pretty strong, like doing a regular press or a regular pull, but man, my hips are really weak. My glutes were, are like, were incredibly weak just doing core stuff. And it all makes sense for what I was dealing with. My back was really weak, just the postural stuff. I could just feel my body wanted to cave forward because of the inflammation. So I realized, let's start with the smaller muscles. Let's start with, you know, maybe the clamshells, the bridges, um, the rotator cuff. So yep. those exercises, you know, I really saw fitness differently because I realized this is going to have to be a different approach than oh, I want to I get in shape. I'm just going to go to the gym. No, this has to be a little differently. This has to be really unique to each person.
0: Yeah, I think you're right in that there's a lot of elements, it seems, in your approach that pull in a little bit of yoga or Pilates and some strength training. And um, But what do you do? So say you're working with a client and you're sailing along and they're just in everything's going okay and then the flare hits yep what what do you recommend there
1: yeah so firstly I like to prepare people for this actually I like to tell people when they're feeling good when they're feeling bad I like to bring some balance to it because I've dealt with this I've felt really good after a couple months and then out of nowhere it makes no sense sciatica hits maybe just because of the way my body is now that side joint stuff you know and maybe you feel a little more tightness due to stress due to, it could be anything, but I like to prepare people for this because even when they're feeling good, I don't want to, I don't want to depress them, but I want to say, let's find some balance here. This might happen again, but we know how to deal with it. We know that we can get better after the flare. We know the flare might not be there forever. So I really like to take it all into consideration. Um, in a positive way in a way that says we can get through it look we've gotten through it here you're feeling good you felt good for this amount of time and the next time hopefully the flares is less and we can keep progressing but first but it's you just don't work. you yep. don't pause you you wouldn't stop moving
0: or working out you would maybe go back to that earlier mode or do you just pause
1: so that's a very interesting conversation and topic. And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, And I think that's the unique aspect of ankylosing spondylitis and maybe why folks have problems doing certain exercises or working with certain people who don't know about ankylosing spondylitis. Um, And it's hard because you wouldn't really know unless you have it, that sometimes you just feel a lot tighter, sometimes you get flares. But this is why I try to keep track of everything. Really, um, everything we do, I keep track of how the person feel. So that's, when the flare happens i know are they responding well to this sort of movements or are they not Um, is this movement too much so it's really different i've seen just different for everyone some folks can kind of walk it off right Um, and they know that if i just get moving a little bit the sciatica will go away but some folks it can be too much and they need that rest day Um, and then we get back to where we were but honestly it's been different for everyone and my goal is to been has been find out what's best for this person. Um, How do they they respond over time? And and I do think, how can we keep going in any manner though? So if someone's dealing with something, um, for most of us, rest isn't the best option. For some, yes, but I think for most of us, there needs to be some sort of movement because unfortunately what happens is, if you rest, then the rest of the body gets tight. So then we're dealing with, yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe it's semantics. I think rest is
1: good. I don't, I think excessive
0: lack of mobility, like lack of movement is bad. Yeah. But, Cause we all need the rest.
1: I don't want I don't. No, the rest is good. No, yeah. <laughs> the rest is very important and we can, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to it's, this is why yeah. it's such a complex topic because everyone responds completely differently. And some people definitely need the rest and need to um, let something heal, but, my goal has been to pinpoint exactly how can we make this better? How can Here's we Where's the balance? Where's the balance and yeah. how can we make this better over time so we don't keep coming into the same kind of falls with the flares, but really I've at this point I've worked with a lot of people with enclosedness <laughs> Yeah. Hundreds of people. Um I've connected with hundreds of people with AS and it's completely different for everyone.
0: Yeah. The one thing was I had an epiphany on. We had a physical therapist on and he was talking about uh, people with AS we tend to have like in our pelvic or SI region. Uh, we have a kind of a double whammy because we we are typically tipped back and forward. So we have yeah. tight hip flexors and tight hamstrings, which yeah. is unique. And um, and at the time, I was trying to find my core. <laughs> so how important and it once I realized that, I was like, oh, wow, well, I do have core muscles like they're not great, but like they're there uh, because I think a lot of us put put we want to get the core
1: activated. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how important the core is in yep. outcomes. absolutely and you know that podcast with the physical therapist i suggest people to listen to that one it was a really great one from a physical therapy standpoint on how to progress properly i really enjoyed you know his approach that's a really um everyone should look back at that episode especially people that are looking for a physical therapist for as this is it was a great great guidelines on what to look for and how to progress things properly but um yeah so the core is crucial but like you said it can be hard to get into it and the hamstrings are one of the, you know, you can kind of say everything's tight, looking Mm -hmm. at the spectrum of AS, everything just kind of seems tight, but the hamstrings are one of the things that I've seen the most of just, they can get incredibly tight, especially with the thoracic spine tightness, those generally go together where bending becomes very difficult. Um, So the tightness can really hamper our ability to work the core and that's what a lot of people struggle with. They're trying to do, you know, even rehab exercises like the bird dog, the dead bug, all these core stability stuff, but they're low back aches. You know, they're they're finding a lot of low back pain and SI joint pain. So my first steps are to find kind of the best, the most comfortable position that someone can get into to just engage the glutes, engage the core without, you know, probably without twisting in the beginning, without, I'm not the biggest fan of crunches. There's a million variations of crunches, but I'm not the biggest fan just based off of, the rounding of the spine. And I I do think it can be good to round the spine and work things like the cat cow and different I think it's important to get spinal mobility. But in the beginning, I think staying away from crunches and focusing more on strengthening the core and more of a stable base where the low backs protected.
0: So what I uh, one trick I found was like more that shoulders down and like bring your uh, sternum up when I yeah. did that I was like oh that changes things in my SI joint uh but what do you th- so I, I know cat cow is great uh and moving slowly I uh, what other types of core engagement are you more like a whole body workout
1: yeah so my stuff is like I was just saying the, the dead bug and the bird dog are kind of core stability where we're focused on how can we keep a neutral spine? How can we not arch the back, but work the core in a way where we're protecting the low back? So I like doing stuff on the ground to start even just pelvic tilts where you're Mm -hmm. feeling those muscles tuck under. So you're really tucking your low back into the ground, squeezing your belly button towards your spine, really squeezing your belly button towards the ground to engage that low back into the ground and working on the alignment first and really just working on squeezing the glutes, squeezing the core and getting your back into the ground. And a lot of people have a hard time doing this. And one of the problems is a lot of people have a hard time on the ground. So you can do this against the wall too, with the feet, a couple inches away, where you're trying to gradually tuck your low back into the wall. And again, squeezing the abs, pulling the belly button in towards the spine, squeezing the glutes. So just starting here. So you can find a good um, base here in a good position where the core is engaged without moving out of it first, just finding that good engagement.
0: Awesome. Uh, So how does someone distinguish post-workout, maybe muscle pain from flare pain?
1: Yeah, this this is an important one because, you know, we want, again, we want that sustainable approach and this can be one of the hardest things to determine. So the, you know firstly, this is why I like starting with really short workouts. Um, even just five minutes of a couple of movements that feel good just to make sure you respond well to it. Um, and just so we're not second guessing, all right, what movement do we think caused the pain? so we can really gradually start out um, with these shorter workouts just so we get a feel for things and even if it doesn't feel like a lot, that's what can get you there long-term just making sure you're responding well. And then you can kind of have more of an idea. Did these movements work for me? Did the, these exercises work for me? Um, but I think that's where breaking it down into smaller goals in the beginning is the best way forward.
0: You, uh, also are a nutritionist. Yes.
1: Yes. I have a, through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, I'm a uh, nutrition specialist. Yes.
0: So, do you uh, do you recommend any high level approach in nutrition for for clients who are starting down an a, an exercise path?
1: Absolutely. You know, nutrition. I'll give my same my same spiel about nutrition as I do with fitness. Different for everyone. Completely different. But there's definitely trends that we're seeing with inflammation with different foods. And I think for everyone, the processed stuff, we can try to stay away from the sugars. We can try to stay away from, I think reducing all that can really be beneficial because we're thinking inflammation, any way we can reduce inflammation is going to be beneficial. Um, Nutrition is one of those things that a lot of people will argue about with AS, because um, I think it can be hard when people make the nutritional changes and don't feel better. So it can kind of become what's the point. But I really see nutrition in a couple different ways. I think for me, it helped. My nutritional approach helped me because it gave me more energy. So I was able to wake up, work out, move better because of the way I was eating. And I think healing the gut, you can't go wrong. With with AS and the gut, we know there's a lot of overlap. Um, so it's important to find ways to heal the gut and pay attention to our certain foods, making you just not feel good. Um, this can be hard to notice unless you get rid of something for a week for two weeks. But I do think, um, nutritionally can have a huge impact. And, you know, even if you don't really notice a difference, maybe it gives you a little energy. Maybe you can take that and you can kind of work out easier. But for me, I think it just starts with the processed foods. Um, the breads, the pastas, the sugars, the, Uh, all that stuff can be kind of paying attention to that stuff. And for me, I've always looked to more of a paleo keto approach, but that's what worked for me. Just sometimes intermittent fasting over the years helped me just reduce inflammation and just feel honestly, just feel a little looser in the morning to do the workout. Yeah.
0: As I sit here, rubbing the uh, sugar from last night out of my joints and my fingers. (laughs) Um, So if someone is newly diagnosed, uh, and maybe they've been on a fitness journey, maybe they have not previously, what advice would you give to someone overwhelmed by the idea of starting down a fitness journey?
1: Absolutely, and this is where I was at. I talked about this in the beginning. I was I struggled, and I and why I feel for these people is I was in fitness and I struggled, so I can't imagine not even knowing the best workouts or exercise to do and having the struggle, I was in fitness. I had the background and I still struggled and had no clue where to start. So I feel for these folks, but, you know, take my story. And I, and I really talk about this often. I started from the bottom with this really couldn't do anything, crawling around, limping, um, not wanting to do anything, staying in bed a lot, you know, just dealing with dealing with a lot of dealing with all that stuff that a lot of us deal with. So I believe that everyone can get on a good approach fitness wise. And the beauty of it is there's many ways to to work out. And this is what I kind of realized early on. Early on, I thought there's only one way to work out because everyone's saying to the best workouts are, you know, the bench press, the squat, the deadlift, the pull ups, that's how you get strong. But those are great movements. I love them. But for AS we have to kind of sometimes get rid of that and think about how can I just get moving in a way that works for me? And then we can maybe get to those things later on. So I really think there's an approach for everyone. I've been amazed at some of my clients who really were struggling, newly diagnosed so tight. Um, and I felt for them cause I could feel it. I was there myself. And we started with really smaller goals, just wanted them to feel better. And I've seen incredible improvements so the the hope is something that everyone can hold on to in my mind i
0: love that uh so aside from visiting a place
1: like alex Levine fitness
0: (laughs) uh on instagram or youtube uh are there any books or programs that were particularly helpful for you
1: yeah that's an interesting question so i was when i was in the struggle i was kind of looking for anyone else who is struggling in fitness. So I was looking, even not AS related, I was looking for folks, how do I work out? I talked about, I had a shoulder injury. How do I lift weights with a shoulder injury? How do I um, play basketball with hip pain? I was really looking for people that also were just struggling in fitness. Um, they they were eager to work out. They, want, they were eager to get going, but they were just struggling. So there's so many, you know, there's so many channels now for fitness and exercise, and sometimes it can be too much. Um, but if we can kind of harness that a little bit, look everywhere. Look YouTube online. Obviously the SAA has great exercise stuff. Um, yoga for AS friends of mine, um, they have incredible stuff and they have a very similar approach to me regarding fitness and the progression and starting out in the most comfortable range of motion and different for everyone, even though they're focused on yoga, they're focused on, this is going to be the yoga for you. This is not going to be overall yoga that everyone that everyone should just do yoga. This is going to be very specific to you. So I love their approach. Sandra Voss who uh, started Spondy strong with me. She love her. Sandra's the best check out Sandra. Another yoga instructor. Um, So, you know, if you're really struggling, find others with a S when I was diagnosed, I knew nobody with a S and I think it really, um, it's good to find others who are dealing with what you're dealing with. Find others with others with a S but also there's so many different approaches out there. Don't give up. If, if one thing doesn't work, don't give up. That's been my thing. There's a million ways we can put together workouts, fitness. Um, and there's other ways to think about health and fitness too, meditation, mindfulness, what became my thing was when I, you know, we talked about flares and what do we do when we're dealing with the flare fitness wise. And what I started doing is I would go to the gym and just use the sauna. Um, and I would just have in my mind, I would say, just stay, just keep doing anything, just keep doing anything. I can't sit at home with this. So that's kind of what I was touching on earlier. Try to find anything health wise that you can attach yourself to when you're struggling. Meditation is a big one for me too. So there's many ways we can look at this.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, So before I let you go, do you have a a final message of hope that you want to share? You've shared a lot of hope and encouragement, so (laughs) I hope I didn't tap you dry. Uh, But any single message that could, you want to land this on?
1: Yeah, you know, hope has always been my thing, the no motivation, the motivation that goes up and down. That's kind of been my story because I still deal with that Um, sometimes. One of the hardest things with AS is say you've done everything, medication. If you're on medication, fitness, exercise, nutrition. And what if that flare happens after doing everything that can be a low point? Cause you're like, what else can I do? So that's something I went through for a couple of years. What else can I do? I've done everything, but that's just a temporary thought. And then I try to back off a little bit. Think of where I am now compared to where I started. And try to see that balance the balance it's all about the balance the
0: balance
1: the balance but Find the middle road
0: uh,
1: keep, keep hope is you know and keep searching keep searching don't give up there's there's again a lot of folks when they got injured in physical therapy they wanted to give up but yeah keep searching for any way possible to just keep moving keep keeping that healthy mindset things will can get better they will get better um just keep searching
0: I think we need to make t-shirts that say hope can actually be a strategy. Um,
1: (laughs) Hope is a good one. I love hope. I I do too.
0: I have endless hope for everything. Um, Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, And I'm really excited to continue to watch uh, you on on your channels. Uh, It's been great for me. And uh, thank you for joining us. And thank you for listening.
1: Jill, thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Later.
0: SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondylarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, We provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.